What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 99 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is a Monday rundown on a Sunday. This is in anticipation of the NBA free agency that's happening at 6 p.m. today. So, Sean, I just wanted to get our last-minute thoughts in and talk about some odds and where players are going. Uh, We talked Yankees first. We led off with that. They are in London right now, about to start playing the Red Sox. Talked about that game. Talked about some injury news and whatnot. After that, we jumped right into free agency. We talked about the big names and their odds to sign with who and whatnot. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at SorrySports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore sports check out the website sorrysports.com as always and shoot us an email if you have anything nice or i guess not nice to say try to keep it try to keep it clean sorry sports at yahoo.com uh, we will be back later in the week with a free agency recap hopefully i'm still alive i don't know how that's gonna go and we're gonna have something special planned for episode 100 which is the next one uh, maybe a sorry short with some friends on uh, but enjoy the pod guys and go next guys fucking figure it out Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We're here. Happy free agency day, bud. How are you? What's up, man? You don't sound too excited. I shouldn't be. Why not? You're wearing your Nick shirt. The Good Vibes tour is still going on, bro. It's the last ditch effort. <laughs> that's that's sad. That's sad. Because I, th- I still think there's going to be something good that's happening here, boys. But if not, what, happens, what, happens, to the, what happens to the Good Vibes tour? I'm going to keep looking at a glass half full, I think. You're good. That's good, I'm man. I'm trying. I'm glad. I'm happy to hear that. So before we talk about the first day of NBA free agency that's due for 6 p.m. Eastern time today, I want to just talk about that Yankee-Red Sox game in London yesterday. They're going to play game two. They're going to first pitch is about an hour and 10 minutes. Um, but what the hell happened yesterday? It was by far the weirdest game I've ever seen. By far? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I thought the game was in Colorado. No, dude. This was different than Colorado. Like, the balls weren't flying out. It was just like no pitcher could get an out. No pitcher could throw the ball over the plate consistently. It was – it it just had a feeling like it wasn't a real game. Like, it, it, it just – I didn't feel like I was watching a real baseball game. I felt like it was some weird exhibition. It was a, ended in a 17-13 final. It was a football score. Well, maybe today we'll see a little bit different of a final in about an hour because maybe they just needed to. Maybe the pitchers need to be reminded that these games actually count. Yeah, I, I just I've never seen just the continual line of good pitchers. I mean, that was the first time I can remember seeing both starters not make it out of the first inning. Each one gave up six runs. Porcello lasted a third of an inning or two thirds of an inning. Tanaka lasted a third of an inning. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Well, nonetheless, the Yankees won. They did, but... That was a very odd game. It looked like a lot of fun. People looked to be enjoying themselves over there. Yeah, what do you think of the the dimensions and the way the game was played, though? I thought that the outfield wasn't deep, but it was really wide and vast. Um, You saw a lot 
A lot from the Yankees. They were really pull-happy yesterday, pulling the ball down the left-field line, and Ben Intende looked like he had to run three miles to go and get that ball, and he missed a lot of them off the wall, too, just because the dimensions of that field were so weird. Another thing that really affected the Red Sox especially, which started an early Yankees rally, was in the first inning. Their uh, their first baseman, I forgot his his name. Chavis. um, Had to run. Uh, probably further than he's ever had to run at first base to catch a foul ball, and he missed it just because, you know, that probably would have been 12 rows back if that was at Fenway or at Yankee Stadium, that foul ball. And and right after that, Voight hits a double. Voight went out of the game after that in the eighth inning, I believe, so we'll have to see. Fifth inning, yeah. He said said it felt like the eighth inning. Yeah, it felt like (laughs) it was his fifth at bat. Yeah. We'll have to see the reports on that. Unfortunately, another guy going to the IL. Well, possibly. The, all indications is he's fine. Um, okay, he's yeah, gonna, I'll believe that when I see. Because we're going to talk Gene Carlo at some point, are we not? No, we are. Because um, he walked into the clubhouse, said he felt fine. Um, he's a player off the bench today. So great. Um, I just think the dimensions of the field really played a huge part in this game um, defensively, and. They just weren't ready to cover that kind of ground. Was this a, a success, do you think? Do you think baseball's getting the returns on their investment? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no no doubt in my mind. It could have been 25 to 24. and they, I mean, the, the amount of people that showed up, the amount of publicity this thing got, uh, I don't think the game actually – I don't think the score of the game actually mattered. It's the Red Sox and the Yankees. Yeah, and they're doing this again next year too with the Cardinals and Cubs. So they're sending, you know, their premium franchises and the rivalries over there. Yeah, it seemed like the fans were really into it on both sides. Um, you know, obviously both teams have worldwide uh, fan bases and and um, you know diehard fans. It was just something that was different. It didn't feel like I was watching a real Yankee Red Sox game. It didn't feel like I was watching a real baseball game. It felt like some kind of strange exhibition. Yeah. But at the end of the, the day, the Yankees won, great. and that's a, that's really, as Yankee fans, all that matters. Hopefully they can get the second one. And you have to appreciate that baseball is sending their, their marquee franchises over there as opposed to football where you're getting a Jaguars-Titans game. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? Yep. And the other, getting the, the cream of the crop over there. Yeah, and the other thing I kind of like too, although in the moment it was kind of annoying, I, I want to get your take on it too, is I do like the fact, after thinking about it for a little bit, I like the fact that it's regular season games and they count. Because if you do this in spring training or whenever during the All-Star break, it's not going to have the same juice. The players aren't going to want to play. You know, you're going to have your certain guys are going to sit. Certain guys are only going to play maybe half the game. And you don't really want to sell that to the fans over there, right? Or the or fans worldwide even. So the fact that it was a regular season game, all the regulars and big names have to play. I think Major League Baseball understands that too because they have those games in Japan every uh, seemingly almost every year. And... Then they go back to spring training, but those games count. Although it seems stupid, I think they understand the fact that those games need to count for something. Yeah, I totally agree because you want to put your best product on the field, right? Can't yep. do that with a spring training roster. I guess real fast, um, John Carlos Stanton placed back on the IL, strained PCL, sliding in a third base. I'll say my piece. I think you know where I'm going with this. I feel really bad for the guy. Um, I'm not saying he's injury prone yet. This is only the second time in his entire career he's been on the IL and that he's going to miss more than 50 games. The only other time that happened was when he got hit in the face in 2014. 
He played 155 games last year. I know it's an easy narrative to just kind of shit on him, but for the Yankee fans that want to boo him, to me, you're kind of the problem with why people don't like Yankee fans. There's really no reason to hate on this guy. It's just the fact that you're frustrated that he's not playing, and last year you had unrealistic expectations for him, and you know the self-indoctrination period that Yankee fans feel they need to give to imports or whether they be free agents or trade or guys come over in trades. I just don't get why you're upset your own players. You know, a guy like Jacoby Ellsbury straight up doesn't doesn't care. And that, you know, that's fair. Fans don't like that. Same with, we saw Pavano. Even when A-Rod came over, we talked about this last week, dude. He was a great player, but he was a nozzle. He was a dick. You know, his personality wasn't likable, and that was very easy to, you know, lash out at him about. I don't really understand or see a reason why you lash out at Stanton. Great teammate plays the game hard he was trying to take an extra base when he got hurt it's just kind of like a series of unfortunate events this year he can't stay on the field something after another but we see Severino getting setbacks we see Batanzas having setbacks and a lot of these guys in and out of the lineup we have the scare with Voight yesterday it's just been one of those years I feel bad for Stan I think he's going to come back in August and be a huge contributor we saw flashes of it in the few games he played but a tough injury nonetheless, but it makes that Edwin Encarnacion trade all that more important. Definitely. And do we see Frazier coming back up? Yeah, I, I could see that. I don't think they want Gardner playing every day. I think they brought up Talkman just to play in the outfield in London. He made a great catch yesterday, and, and that showed why Frazier's not making that catch. But I think Frazier just got to understand this is his role this year. Um, he's going to get sent back down when Stanton comes up, and he's going to be have to be okay with playing great when he's up he might here. Might get traded. Yeah, he might. I mean, we but you know, you see a guy like Nestor Cortez. He gets optioned. He gets called right back up. He gets optioned. He gets called right back up, and he's pitching great. And he doesn't say anything because he knows that's his role on this year's team. Who knows if he's a part of a trade or if he's going to have a more solidified spot next year? But that's what that's the kind of attitude Frazier needs to adopt. And whether he's here or there, he can't control that. He can only control playing well, regardless of whether it's in Scranton or New York. I think they will call him back up, but tough break for Stanton. But this team's rocking and rolling. They're, this offense is relentless. Yeah, absolutely. When you have, you know, you look at the lineup yesterday, just from the first inning, and you're like, God damn, where is Porcello going to find an out? Because you they bat around, and before that you have, Glaber Torres coming up eighth and you look at his numbers and he could be hitting fourth on like 85% of MLB teams. And you're like, usually an eight hitter hitter. It's like, all right, I'm going to get out of this inning. We can regroup next inning. And then you have Glaber Torres coming up and I believe he got a hit in that at bat. And, and it's just insane. Cause I hit, think he's hitting what? Like 280. Yeah. He's hitting, I think 288 right now. And what does he have? 20 bombs. 19 home runs, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's insane. And then you have Guardy after that. Guardy's hitting like a number two hitter in the number nine spot where he ends up getting later in the game, getting walked with the bases loaded, and he's not a free-swinging guy. And But you know if you make a mistake to him, he's going to put it in the fucking seats. Or if you hit, throw something outside, he's going to slap the ball the other way because he's a pro hitter. But he's not going to give you an inch. He, he works a walk in every single at-bat because he's a number two hitter hitting ninth. Yeah, and we saw yesterday when Voight came out of the game, they bring in Urshela, who was third 
in the AL third baseman for All Star game for the All Star game. Yeah, I think he'll make it on the. He might be a reserve. Yeah, but he's hitting three hundred. He's got six home runs and plays the best third base, arguably, of anybody uh, in the major leagues right now. And it's all kind of goes under the radar of this is Bra- this is Brian Cashman just being smarter than everybody else. I mean, Lemayhu is the best hitter in baseball. And yeah, and you know, I actually when we had Phillips on, I poo pooed that MVP case for Lemayhu. I I take you back. I was just gonna say MVP it's actually MVP like worthy right it's now. It's legitimate. I mean, he's hitting four hundred with runners in scoring position. No, no, dude, it's like five hundred. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like four ninety one with runners in scoring position. It's insane. the The guy has the most multi hit games in baseball by like ten. I mean, it, it's. He's an incredible player, and defensively, I believe he's won a Gold Glove at second base before. He's as won well, three. So, yeah. He's so there you go. Good. Yeah. Um. Again, you mentioned Cashman. Good job by my father. I'm, he's back in my good graces. He's. I re-added him to the email chain. Um. <laughs> but I want to talk about the Yankees front office in a negative way before we move on to uh, begrudgingly NBA free agency for me, as I wear a Knicks T-shirt. My last ditch effort here. That the 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 staff the the medical staff. Again, I get a Bleacher Report and it says Stan's hurt, but he shouldn't miss any time. Then uh, Stan's gonna go on the ten day. Then the next thing you fucking know, a day later, Stan's out till August. What's going on here? It's the same thing that's been going on all year. And Severino had a setback, and they said he probably shouldn't have thrown. Till he was 100% healed. He's 90% healed in the lat. And that's what's causing the soreness. And, you know, he didn't want to go back in the MRI, well, I, too. I told you, Stan, I'm just looking forward to 2021. Because at this rate, he's not going to play next year. The way they the way they diagnose injuries. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I think same with Severino and Batances. I mean, I think you're getting to that point now where you can't count on them coming back. And if you do, if they do come back, it's just a bonus. All the more reason why the good side of the the front office, my guy Cashman, my father, needs to make some moves. Yeah, and I think the bullpen could use another arm. I think that the... That's crazy to say. Yeah, right. But, you know, these guys are getting worn out unless they call up Debbie Garcia, whose numbers, he has like a 50, he's averaging, I think, 15 Ks per nine. In double A, um, he's going to be the representative in the Futures game next week. And then you're looking at maybe acquiring another reliever if you don't want to call him up because these guys are toasted, man. They, they pitch almost all the time. You know, you look at a game like yesterday. They are, the Yankees are winning 17-6, to and they end up having to use Canely, Adovino, Britton, and Chapman after Green pitched 40-something pitches to uh, relieving Tanaka. These guys are what's, gassed. What's the word on Bumgarner? Nothing's changed yet. I mean, it's we're just it's July first tomorrow, so because the Giants have a pretty good reliever out there, and Will Smith as well. Yeah, he's closing for them, and he's pitching to a to a sub. I think it's like a two point one four ERA. He's got a lot of saves for a bad team, so that's a package deal you could think about. Yeah, for sure. I think you could also look to Toronto, maybe get Ken Giles with Marcus Stroman. I think the that- problem with those deals are. When you do those big two-player deals, instead of going one-offs from each team, you're you're trading an Andahar or you're trading a, a, a Frazier. Probably, and that's what you're looking that's at, though. Definite. With even the even the top even the top relievers on the market by themselves command that. 
Well, yeah, but see, Will Smith and Bumgarner are both rentals. They're both free agents at right. the end of the year. So but how much are you really willing Chapman to Chapman was a rental. Yeah. No, I, I agree. But and the Cubs gave up Glaber Torres. You're Depends right. Depends how desperate you are. Well, I'd like a ring, but I'd also... I'm, I'm a patient Yankees fan. I'm a patient fan. I'm wearing a Knicks t-shirt for well, Jesus' sake. Well, you say that now, but if the Yankees win, the, if the Yankees don't win the, in the playoffs and it's because their bullpen is shot and giving up runs, you're going to say, I really, really would have liked that reliever. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we'll one find another does phrase though, if you're but, blowing every fucking game here and there. But let's move on to the NBA. I think it's about that time. All right. So we're going to start off with the, uh, the people who have already signed in theory. They haven't actually signed the piece of paper till 6 p.m. today, a couple hours away. NBA free agency starting earlier this year, thankfully. We don't have to stay up all night because we have jobs and stuff like that. Um, so first, we'll go with the big one. Kemba Walker to the Boston Celtics for what? A four-year max? Four-year max, $141 million. And this has a lot of layers to it. All right, let's talk about Charlotte first because then we can talk about the fun stuff with Boston. Charlotte is still heavily, heavily in cat purgatory here. Um, the Batum deal is tough. The Kid, Gil- Kid Gilchrist deal is tough. That's not an easy name to say, dude. Kid Gilchrist. There we go. Nice. Um, they have a lot of cap space tied up and, and some players that you don't want cap space tied up in. And I think that they're going to try and sell off assets and whatnot and try and go into complete rebuild mode because what other choice do they have? They don't have another choice. And this is why they made a low ball effort to Kemba knowing he wouldn't take it. And it's best for I both. think it was the right move. Honestly. I do too. It's best for both You've sides. Had the guy, and this is no diss to Kemba because I don't think he's had a very great team put around him. But you've had the guy since what year did he get drafted? 2011? Yeah. 2011 or something like that. That yeah, was 2011, yeah. And um, you've made the playoffs once. So, and I think you were in eight seed. Mm-hmm. So clearly it's going nowhere. The guy's not going to, he's in his prime right now. Maybe he gets a little bit better efficiency wise, but he's hit his ceiling. And, and you don't even make the playoffs with the guy consistently. And you've never made it out of a first round. So it's time to run it back. It's time to see what you got in Malik Monk. It's time to see what you got in Bridges. And, just completely rebuild the thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there, man. I mean, to be honest with you, this was a situation where it was the classic damned if I do, damned if I don't. Yeah, and I mean, you're going to be upset when you don't sign a franchise guy, uh, but at the same time, when your second best player is Jeremy Lamb, he was the second highest scorer on that team. That's tough. Both former UConn boys. Yeah. Former UConn Big East boys. Jeremy Lamb has not lived up to the hype, though. I will say that. No, he has not. Um, but, you know, he kind of he was in Oklahoma City and didn't really have a role there. And then Houston. Houston found Speaking of UConn, though, let's just get this in here real quick. Get it out of the back way. Back to the Big East, baby. Where they belong. The Big East. Uh, Syracuse is never going back. Let's face facts no. here. No. Because they're in the ACC. But UConn was, again, I'll say the word purgatory. Basically, in purgatory in Conference America. Finally, the American Athletic Conference. Conference America. That's the Conference USA. Whatever. Different things. Totally stupid. Um, I guess they gave up on the football thing. Thank God. Are they are they completely cutting the program? No, no, no. They're going to be an independent. They're going to be like Notre Dame, 
and they're going to just oh, play a, a bunch of different schools. Um, oh, they're going to do really well. They're going to go to the. They're going to be just as good as Notre Dame. Yeah. W- listen, this is this has been a long time coming, and it's it's you know reparations for something that never should have happened in the first place. UConn, Connecticut's not doing well financially. I'm not really surprised that they're going back to the Big East, and they're cutting a lot of programs back in UConn in general. They've closed a couple of the campuses and whatnot. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if three years down the line they don't even have a football team, to be honest with you. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, UConn is a basketball school, and for the women's team, it's been the epicenter of women's college basketball since the mid-90s. For the women are going back to the Big East too, right? Yes. For the men, Perfect. they've won four national championships in the last 20 years. They've always been relevant, even before that. You have some of the most iconic moments in the last 30 years centering around UConn playing at Madison Square Garden in the Big East tournament. We talk about Kemba, we talk about Jeremy Lamb, Shabazz. And Shabazz and all those guys. But I was saying just those two that we were just mentioning real fast. I mean, even look back to the Ray Allen, yeah, Rip Hamilton these are, these are all moments that happen. you move forward to at, what, at, Mecca? Yeah, at MSG. Rip Hamilton, too. I mean, I a lot of... Yeah, I lot, said it, okay? Right, I know lots he went of, there. Lots of, great, <laughs> lots of great moments. And this is where they belong. Yep. I give the school credit for recognizing that they are not a football school, that... You don't need to sell out to do that. I don't care about UConn playing Tulane or Tulsa or Central Florida, even though I like seeing Taco twice a year. But they He's belong gone, playing your boys, St. John's. They belong playing Villanova. Like Credits you said. to the Big East, too, for letting a non-private, non-Catholic uh, school back into the Big East as well. Absolutely. But again, I think... good move for everybody. They understand that UConn is an important fabric of the Big East. Of, Absolutely. Of and the Big I East Conference. And the whole history of that conference, you can't talk about the history of the Big East without talking about UConn. And I think the Big East was losing a little bit of cachet because, yeah, they're 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 pretty top-heavy with your Georgetowns and your Villanovas. And although they haven't been great lately, they made the tournament last year, your St. John's and a few other schools. But, you know, when you add a Creighton or yeah. you add a DePaul – or or schools like that on yeah, the Butler. lower. End. No, but I like Butler. I do too, but Butler's not a big East school. Watch out for Butler this no, year. No, they're very good. I'm not downplaying them. I'm saying though is the people that know the history of the Big East, they were not thrilled when they acquired Butler. Yeah. You know? And maybe you give somebody the boot. Yeah, or you just continue you just roll with what you've got. I mean Syracuse you know is not coming back. They've they prior to this most recent realignment, you know, they lost Virginia Tech, they lost Miami, Boston they lost College. Boston College. They've lost a lot of schools that are, you know, more football schools. And we don't have to worry about Syracuse coming back. Syracuse is a football school. They're always ranked in the top twenty five. It's a good program there. They're fine. And they win a lot in ACC play and basketball as well. But UConn is not a football school. UConn has never been a football school and I give them credit. I give the Big East Conference credit that after this final year in the American Athletic, they're going to go back to play in the Big East where postseason plays at Madison Square Garden. You're going to reignite old rivalries with St. John's, with Villanova, with Georgetown. That's how college basketball needs to stay relevant. They need to keep the premier rivalries, the premier conferences intact and exciting for fans because especially if you're doing one and dones fan bases are not 
really getting charged up for their teams anymore because there's so much turnover year after year. And you know what? All in all, it's a win-win for the Big East, and it's a win-win for UConn. UConn and Hurley are going to get a lot better recruits because now they're in an actual conference, and the rest of the Big East is going to get a lot of better recruits as well, including St. John's, because that conference just became even much more re- even that much more relevant. Absolutely. So the, the biggest was the biggest conference in basketball for about 25 years. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, there was that whole 30 for 30 on it. And, and by the way, quick sidebar, that 30 for 30 pissed me off because they never talked about UConn. And oh, that was after they had won four national titles, more than any other school. They had the head coach on the thing. Yeah, but they didn't highlight their success at all. I'm a little bitter about that. But anyway, we'll get back. We had to talk about that, though. All right, let's jump back into Kemba. So we talked about the team that lost them in the Charlotte Hornets. Got the team right. Yay! Um, nice job, bud. I didn't say Bobcats. And now let's <laughs> talk about the Boston Celtics who gained him. Um, I think this puts them right back into contention. I think this puts them one player away, losing Horford. Uh, Vooch, we'll talk about that later, is not going to the Celtics. He took the bag. He took the money, the $100 million from the Orlando Magic. Julius Randle, maybe? He'd fit He'd fit quite nicely in Boston. Um, but I think that this is going to be – he's he's not as great as Kyrie when it comes to a talent standpoint or even an efficiency standpoint. But, I mean, he's also much more consistent off the court. And he's not going he's to – He's a leader. By all accounts, Kyrie kind of and, – and this isn't really good for your Brooklyn Nets, who we'll talk about Kyrie later because they're all basically getting him and you have somewhat of a glow to you. Um He's not going to poison the young guys the way Kyrie did, by all accounts. He's a great teammate. He's really good off the dribble, but he's also really efficient shooting off the catch. And he's a closer. And that's what this team needed. This team was at its best when they were playing good defense and having Isaiah Thomas close out games. Now you have a closer again, but you can, this is going to open up the floor for Tatum. He Maybe he can um, go back to his rookie year form. This is going to do a lot of good things for Jalen Brown, although Jalen Brown may be a trade chip at this point for Boston to go out and get another superstar. I think this puts them right back into the top four of the East. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Um, to be honest, I, this came out really fast. And they also got Langford, who could be a trade chip as well, because that guy was a top five recruit two years ago. Really good player, had an injury, played through it at Indiana. And I think they, honestly, I, I thought the pick was wrong for Boston just because they have a lot of Romeo Langfords already on their team. But this guy's got a lot of talent, and let's see if he can put it together. They're in a pr- really good spot again. And. Again, this is one of your sports fathers, Danny Ainge, doing what he... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Not Danny Ainge. He is not your sports father. Oh, Brad man. Stevens. Brad I, Stevens. I, I, wanted, I, was, I had the... You G- could say sports I had, uncle. I had the GM idea on... You could say sports you know, uncle. Go but, ahead. Um, your sports uncle there, Danny Ainge. They're so well run, and they know exactly what they're doing. And Kyrie just never fit there. And... You know, we're talking about them adding Kemba. Well, they're subtracting from Kyrie. Kyrie just never worked there. Um, it felt like that was just not a situation that was ever going to come about. That was a team that had already, you know, started percolating and with the young talent, looked like it was poised to be great anyway. You bring in a Gordon Hayward. And then it's another a, guy. A great, I forgot to mention A him. great nucleus. Healthy Gordon Hayward. A great nucleus. 
you bring in a guy that didn't even really want to be there in the first place, was trying too hard to be a leader. Kemba's going to step right in there and be that glue guy. I don't even think he needs to be a leader. I don't think he needs to be. He is, though. He is, but he doesn't need to be for that team. What he, he needs, needs to be, to be is like what you said, a consistent teammate, a guy who you don't have to worry about, a guy who's not causing any drama, and that was a big problem for Boston last year. You could tell they just didn't like each other. I think adding a Kemba Walker at this stage in his career with the young guys, his ability to score, his ability to distribute, and like you said, his closer's mentality, being the best player on championship teams in college, I really like the fact that Boston can just turn right around from Kyrie and add Kemba Walker, who... I think from a skill set position, he's definitely a top five point guard in this league. Top three? Well, no, top four. I was going to say, I don't know if he's three. I mean, you go Lillard, you go Kyrie, just from a Curry. skill standpoint, and you go Curry. Those are those are the three I would put ahead of Kemba. But, again, you're getting a top five point guard at this point in his career where he's ready to blossom. He's ready. I can just picture him having a huge game in a playoff series in like the second or third round and, you know, getting the Boston garden all hyped up. You know, I think that's just his, that's in his DNA. That's in his makeup. And I think that from a Boston standpoint, you really couldn't have done a better job with this. So now what's going to be interesting to see is where they go since Horford seems like he's on his way out. Horford's gone because they made him an offer and he thinks he can get better out there. He probably will get better out there with all the tampering going on. He probably already knows where he's going, just hasn't signed yet. Another interesting thing for Boston, you mentioned Gordon Hayward and I forgot to mention him. That's the guy who at his best was a top 15 player in the league. That injury he had was like to be fully healthy. He's going to be fully healthy this season. It was like a year and a half kind of injury. And he's not coming back halfway through the season trying to fit his way in. No, he's going to have a full training camp and everything. It's going to be really interesting because that's a guy that can really attack the rim and play make. And kicking it out to Kemba who can shoot off the catch is going to be really good. And the other big point that I think is really interesting for Boston and why I think they're going to be I don't want to say a sleeper team because everybody knows they're good, but a team that's going to be really, really good in the Eastern Conference, especially with Kawhi. I don't know where he's going, but it looks like he's not going to re-sign with Toronto, is that this team got rid of, let's name the most unhappy players on Boston. Obviously, a far and beyond number one is Kyrie Irving. A number two is Terry Rozier. Yep. He's gone. And a number three was Marcus a Morris. Morris. Mm-hmm. All three of those guys are gone. The chemistry is going to be back. Um, the only thing is, let's see how they integrate the young guys. They drafted that center out of Texas A&M, and I haven't heard his name since. Yeah, I haven't heard so, anything about him. There's a big man spot available. Maybe he can play some backup minutes. I think Grant lives. Williams is going to be a really good glue guy for them, too. For the guy they picked, I think, at 21 out of Tennessee. And they the guy just the guy, knows how to play basketball. They took the guy that scored, what, 50 points in the tournament or whatever? Yeah, they, Carson Vanderbilt. Edwards, yep. Yeah, he's... He's a guy that can come off. He's a heat check guy. He's he's just coming off the bench and he's going to score. That, that's what he's there for. And you need a guy like that on a on a playoff team. And then I'm interested to see. I think his name is Robert Williams, the uh, the dunker out of Texas A&M from two years ago. And he can block shots. Let's see if Stevens, my my basketball father, can integrate him in a little bit. If there's anybody that can do it, I believe in him. But. I think this Kemba move really turned around the Celtics because had they not got him, I don't know what they would have been. Yeah, they were staring at 
you know, possibly do do we blow it up? Do we, you know, trade off some great assets and try to rebuild? And then all of a sudden, Kemba Walker becomes available and the entire attitude changes. I mean, it went and keep from, in mind, they have that Memphis pick as well. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. No, they, they do. They have the Memphis pick, and Memphis is completely rebuilding. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a fun team with John Morant and Jackson out there, but they're not going to be a good team. So that'll, that'll be interesting. Um, but why don't we move on to the next one? So the next one, that is Kyrie Irving going to your Brooklyn Nets. Sean, I'm going to give you the floor. I'll, I'll integrate my opinion in here. Well, at I need some your point, opinions. Yeah. But you are the resident Nets fan here. Now, why don't we talk about it on a personal level? How do you feel today? I'm very excited. Um, okay. Listen, I love D'Angelo Russell. What he did this year was so fun. Um, he really became the kind of player that everybody thought he was going to be when he came out of Ohio State. He was in a great environment and seemed like he fed off Kenny Atkinson and Atkinson fed off him and they went on this run and were a playoff team. And there was really, you talk about good vibes. There's a lot of good vibes around the nets, but here's the deal. And to everybody, I argue, I argue about this with my buddy who's also a net fan and he's in the camp of keeping D Now it doesn't seem like that's happening, but anytime you have an opportunity, especially in basketball, the NBA, is if you have a chance to get a generationally great player, which Kyrie Irving is, just on the court, and he wants to go to your team, you cannot pass that up. In the long run, D'Angelo Russell might be the better pick, but in the you're trying to make your team relevant. The Nets were a feel-good story last year, but they were a six seed. They were not a two seed. They got bounced in five games after winning game one. The series was not really all that close. I wouldn't be surprised if Russell takes the next step, but his next step is no, still nowhere close to Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving wants to be a Brooklyn Net. You make Kyrie Irving a top priority. Now, this hopefully will also segue into getting that second max player Fuck you, dude. that they believe he's coming with and signing this early. I texted you last night. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we've been hearing about it for the last couple weeks. Kyrie to the nets, Kyrie to the nets. He wants to be a net. Now allow me to say this part of it too, because I, I really want to get your opinion on this. So I'll, I'll lay out the whole scenario. Obviously what happened in Boston was bad. Um, he looked really terrible, with that team, he did a lot of questionable things, said a lot of questionable things, never fit in, tried too hard to be a leader, then went back to being absent. Just a lot of bad, bad vibes, bad karma going on for Boston. But I'll say this about Kyrie Irving that a lot of people, and I know you threw it back at me, and I promise you, he never wanted to go to Boston. The Boston Celtics were not on his list of teams he wanted to go to. It was the team that... Cleveland had the best trade with, and they said, you can go here and win. But that team was already a good young team with a solidified head coach with a kind of a culture that was ready to take their step on their own. And when Kyrie got hurt in the play, before the playoffs in 2017-18, that team went on a run and went to Game 7 of the Eastern Finals. And Kyrie wasn't really a part of it. 
He tried really hard to get back into it this year. Obviously, everything he did was wrong. But that team didn't really like him. I think it was just a, it was a poor fit. It's best for both sides to move on. What's different in this situation is this is going to be the first team that he's actually wanted to be on. He got drafted by Cleveland. He didn't choose to go there out of college. He got traded to Boston because it was one of a couple of teams that Cleveland had deals with, and they said, this is your probably your best fit. Would you want to go here? And there's a difference between saying, hey, I can literally go anywhere I want, and okay, I have to go, what's the best case out of these four options? You know, it's like, Tom, where would you want to, if you had your perfect life, where would you want to work? Like you, you lay that out and say, I can go. Sorry, sports. Exactly. You can go anywhere. But if I lay out and say, okay, your number one option is not, is not there. Here's three potential other options. You're going to try to be happy. You're, but in the back of your mind, you're always going to be thinking this still isn't a hundred percent where ESPN, I want to be. ESPN, the Ringer, Barstool. I'll try and be happy there. Yeah. But my heart's at sorry sports. Your heart's at sorry sports. So okay. that's right. <laughs> where, who else can offer you that? Um, so to me, from a personality standpoint, he still wasn't where he wanted to be. The Brooklyn Nets are a team. He knows what he's walking into. Nobody's trading him there. Nobody's telling him you have to go there. He is giddy about joining this this group of guys. And if he's happy, which is, it sounds so petulant and so completely ridiculous talking about an adult athlete, but if he's happy, then he's going to blossom. There's a good feeling around the Nets. I well, trust I mean, Martin Atkinson. The bottom Atkinson. line is, no matter who you are, adult athlete, adult normal human being like us, if you're happy, you're going to perform better at right. your job. And that's why I'm excited about this. Because I'm happy. I do a great job as CEO of Sorry Sports. Yes, you do. Absolutely. You seem a little happier today, so you're doing a better job as COO of Sorry Sports. Well, you know, I got to I gotta be the best second in command. But um, <laughs> listen, anytime that you get one of the top five players, you got to be ecstatic. Top five? When he's playing his best, there's very few you people You already better. sound like a homer, and he hasn't even signed on the dotted line yet. Top five, pump the brakes okay, first. Okay, let me all. explain something to you as a Net fan, okay? And this is also goes to just everybody understanding the landscape of the NBA. The Nets have never had anything. Let's, the Nets' best... Julie serving. Okay, that was in their ABA days. Their best period in the NBA was about a three-year span when they traded for a better point guard than a young up-and-coming Stefan Marbury in Jason Kidd. But they still never won a finals. They went to two, never won. The Vince Carter days were fun, my favorite player of all time. They were, the they were fun, but they weren't championships. They weren't, you know, hey, this is a homegrown team that's going hey, out Maynard and winning. Maynard Christich was pretty good. Huh? Maynard Christich. Maynard Christich was a good player. I, listen, they had some fun. They had some fun teams, but overall, the Nets don't have a history to fall back Devin on. Devin Harris made an All Star team. Oh God, no! I don't want to relive the Devin, Devin Harris. Harris days. I don't want. You made an All Star team? Oh, he was not anywhere close to what they thought they were getting from Dallas, and so much so that he went back to Dallas. But the Nets don't like. When you talk about the Celtics, right? The Celtic fans have a right to be like, we want you off our team. We hate you. We'll drive you to the airport. Because they have a history of winning championships with homegrown acquired ta or homegrown talent, non-acquired talent. Through the 60s, through the 80s, 
and they're they they don't want to deal with somebody like a Kyrie Irving. The Brooklyn Nets don't have that luxury. If you have a chance to go get one of the best players in the sport, you go do that. And especially if it's not done, because we talked about what the ne- the positive is for the Nets with him. He already makes you a better team. But the caveat is who's he bringing with him? And if that's Kevin Durant, the entire attitude of the Brooklyn Nets going forward changes. It means anyone and everyone will want to go there because they have elite training facilities. They have this wouldn't happen a in great Jersey, culture. So put it no, it would not have happened in New Jersey. But they have established something that is attractive to a lot of players in today's NBA. Stability. And yeah, a good culture. It's suppressing. So, I don't know if Katie's coming. I said on Monday, I still think he's going to go to the Knicks. But what, now you have the option, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, of going out and getting your Tobias Harris or a Jimmy Butler. Or another really good player, maybe a Julius Randle, to add to a team that already has Jared Allen, already has now Torian Prince, has Karis Levert, has Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris. Uh, this is a this is going to be a really fun team, even if it's just with Kyrie. But they're gonna but they cleared up that second cap space for a reason. I expect them to get some. They did it, obviously, believing they're going to get someone with Kyrie. All right. So, so let's see what happens. What do you think about I said a lot there, but what do you think from the personality standpoint? How I do you like, think it's going to work there? I like the deal for the Nets because, again, you said they've never had this opportunity. And you got to take this opportunity as a Nets team who's always been second fiddle in the metropolitan area and all that good stuff. I love the deal. The only thing I will say is, listen. Kyrie's been unhappy in both teams he's went to. He's played the good guy, then he's turned into the bad guy. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens a year and a half from now. I wouldn't but, be surprised. You know what? you got to live with that as a Nets fan. I'm happy for you. You have to take the risk, right? The only thing is that, you know, if there was no D-Lo, first of all, there'd be, Kyrie probably wouldn't have been there had there been no D-Lo because this team wouldn't have been that good. But if there was no D-Lo, I'd be jumping for joy for you. But the fact that you could have had him and held on to him, Kyrie's better. So you got to go get the better guy. But I really like D'Lo. Um, I like the deal for the Nets. Um, and we'll, we'll have to see if they get another big-time guy. I think they're going to sign somebody else. Obviously, they cleared that max spot for a reason. If it's KD, I'm really happy for you. Hopefully, you can say my, part of my eulogy at the funeral in a couple of days because I will not be alive anymore uh, as a Knicks fan. But... I'll be happy for you in the next life because it won't be in this one. Um, but we'll have to see who they re-sign. I'm apprehensively excited for you. I'll put it to you that way. Well, I appreciate that. And I know if the situation were were different, uh, you would be happy. I mean, I hope for both. In a perfect world, I hope both teams get the good Really top out of the line free agents and basketball in New yeah, York City. Whatever. Is good. You're happy. I'm not. What else is fucking new? All right. So let's move on to the well, rest of the guys yeah. that actually signed their uh, their contracts. Let's or, do it. Or theoretically did. They're they're pretty much locked in. This is coming from Mark Stein. That's who we got the Kyrie and the Kemba from, anyways. So we can run down this list real quick because I think most of it was kind of expected. So Clay Thompson re up with. Is, is going to re-up with the Golden State Warriors for five years, $190 million. Good for him. He's a top-ten player in the league, went healthy, and he's a stud. 
He's a warrior forever. And good for him. Yep, absolutely. All right, Chris stops. Um, it seems to be that everybody is glossing over this whole unfortunate uh, rape case thing because nobody's really mentioned it but us. So, you know, we're the ones breaking news here. You should probably listen to uh, the Sorry to Interrupt podcast on the Sorry Sports Network. But, I mean, listen, they're going to a hearing. You and I already talked about that. I'm not a lawyer, but they have to present and see if there's enough evidence. It might just get thrown out. We don't know. That'll be in October, I believe. So we'll have to see that then. For now, he has signed a five-year, $158, $158 million. That'd be on the cheap, right? <laughs> $158 million deal. The case is looking bad. With the, uh, with the Dallas Mavs. Um, expected. They're not going to trade away all that shit to not have him. So I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised by that. No, me neither. They I don't know do the it. details of the contract. Maybe there's a contingency thing. Um, who the hell knows? Next up, Vooch. He re-signed with the Orlando Magic. I kind of had a feeling he was going to re-up. He would have looked really nice in a Celtics uniform. That would have been an interesting team, especially because he's been shooting the three lately. But we expected him to pick up the bag in Orlando. Four years, $100 million. Good for him. Yep, and this was good for Orlando. They have to keep those guys. You know, if you're, if you're building... They a were team. a playoff team. Yeah, I predicted that. They're trying to build. I'm a genius. Yeah, sure. They're trying to build on their eight seed, and to do that, you have to make sure you keep the best player on your team. So, kudos to them for acknowledging that and not letting him walk to Boston. All right, last guy to, to uh, already basically theoretically preemptively sign is Harrison Barnes. He goes back to the Kings. I like this deal for both sides. He's a veteran player. He can play good defense. He can knock down a three, score a little bit, and this is a team trying to build towards the playoffs. I think there were a lot of more fun places he could have landed. I would have loved to see Denver. You know, Denver, I think if if the Knicks struck out on certain guys, I think he would have done really well for the Knicks. I don't want that. No, but he's he's a guy again. You you. I don't I don't want I don't want them to sign these mid level guys. I either like I'm t- I don't want to be in the middle. I don't I don't want to be a nine. I don't want to be. A I'm 10. just saying. I think he I want would them fit. to either sign a big guy or carry over that cap space for a possible well, trade and suck. That's up to you. But what I'm saying is he would have been a good fit there. And but for Any a young with a for a young a good fit for, a sac- for a young Sacramento team that's ready to build on. You know they were a French playoff do. team last year. With him, I like the deal, too. I like that deal a lot. So, there's a couple more stories we got to get to. Let's so, talk Jimmy Butler. Let's talk Jimmy Butler. All right. So, so I have the odds heat pulled up. As his first free agent destination. So, that's interesting that the Heat are going to get the first conversation with him. The Heat are always going to get a conversation because they're run by Pat Riley, and he's, he's you know, I don't know. He's like a Sith Lord or something. Um, great hair, by the way. All time. Um all right, so I have the odds pulled up here for Jimmy Butler uh, as currently constituted. This is from Odd Shark on Twitter. All right, so you ready for this? You ready I'm, for the odds? I'm ready. All right, we'll count down from uh, from the worst odds to the best odds, okay? Plus 1,000, the Lakers. Plus 900, the Knicks. I don't want him. Plus 800, your Brooklyn Nets. Plus 800, the Los Angeles Clippers. Plus 150, so that's pretty close, the 76ers. Even odds, and this is just incredible to me, even odds, the Houston Rockets. They don't even have the cap space. They basically are forcing a trade just by reporting it, by leaking it. The Sixers could just be like, no, fuck you. If he walks away and goes to the Knicks or goes to the Lakers or goes wherever... 
we lose him, but we're not going to get we're not going to make you guys better. But the only way that happens does it I think, make them that much better though? I think it does. That's yeah. a really weird fit. I I think it does because he's a dog defensively. You're then adding another ball dominant player to a team that already can't play with two of them. What does that make Chris Paul? You can't even have him on the floor. That's the James Harden show. You have to bring you have to give him supporting cast players who are comfortable with not Which is making exactly plays. Why if I were them, I would say, "Okay, Jimmy resign with the Sixers. We'll take Tobias." I I like Tobias as a much better fit in Houston. I don't think Jimmy Butler, I think Jimmy Butler in Houston, if it happens, I'm calling it right now, that would be an unmitigated disaster. That would not work. Especially because Jimmy Butler hasn't been known, although he's a great player, hasn't been known to be a I just don't great know. glue guy and the other but two that's guys not are his hurting role. not speaking. Jimmy yeah. Butler's too good to be a second. He's the same kind of player as Harden. Harden just does it better. He has to have the ball in his hands. We saw it in the playoffs to be productive and be the level of Jimmy Butler that we're used to seeing. He can't do that in Houston with James Harden being option one through, you know, 65. You can't have – and then Chris Paul's already unhappy. What does that make Chris Paul? He's already a negative on the floor because of his defense and his inability to really shoot. So now you're basically just telling him, which apparently uh, Harden already told him, was, was stand the fuck out, out of my way and, and make shots, like stand in the corner over there. That's basically what you're going to be asking him to do. You can't trade the contract – so you're going to put three ball-dominant players together with big personalities. Nobody's coaching that team. Yeah. Listen, they're even odds. I'm just doing the reporting for No, them. I know. I'm just, su- I'm, I'm just surprised that that's the fit that everyone's going to. I don't like the deal. I, I think he's much better off re-upping in Philly and Toby going there. Although, but. to be honest with you, Philly might actually, if they if they want to do that, and they could get back an Eric Gordon and a Clint Capella to back up. Well, the only Joel way that's done is if Jimmy goes to the Sixers and is like, "Listen, I'm fucking leaving. I would prefer to go to Houston over the Lakers. Sign and trade me, or I'm going to the Lakers." Because then you might as well get an asset. But if it's just up in the air and you're just letting Houston bully you, fuck that. Elton Brand have spine. Yeah, and he already you know traded way too much for Tobias Harris. I think one of those that guys team is staying. honestly would have been better had they had they held on to to uh Shamit and and whoever else they traded and kept a deeper bench. I think they would have given the Raptors a little more of cuz Tobias Harris was he's a good player and I I'm, I know he's going to get a max but he didn't do shit for them. Well, he just didn't fit on that. No, team. not at all, and that's why. It's yeah. not. That's why he's still going to get a max. It's not his fault. We but. we shook our head when we when that deal went down, not just because of the capital that Philly gave up, but also because of, again, he's he's a stretch four who can shoot and is just a tremendous stretch player, but he is a negative on the defensive side. And if you're not integrating him into your offense, and he's just standing around, your team becomes exponentially worse. There's not enough touches for him when you've got Simmons and Bede and Butler. So I didn't really understand that move, especially for how much they gave up. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. As for Jimmy Butler, I if I were to put my odds down, I would think that the Lakers make a tremendous amount of sense. Well, they're plus 1,000, so I don't know. They, it, they're going to want... 
they're going to want another player. If they strike I out don't think they need a the point guard, to be honest with you, the Lakers. LeBron runs the point. That's fine. Get if him another guy on, who if can If they shoot. strike out on Kawhi, I, I could see the uh, the odds increasing a lot more. What about Kawhi and Butler with the Clippers? I think that makes sense. The that Clippers are poised to go game. for two guys, and I think that they would make sense. And then, you know, you hate to say it, but if the Knicks aren't getting KD, Butler is a bona fide star, a dog defensively. I don't know if he wants to go to a young team that doesn't have much else. I've always said I would love him with the Nets because I think the Nets are a good situation for him. He can be that leader that he wants to be. He can step in and take on that role, and he's obviously a closer. Um, I don't know, man. I, I look at Jimmy Butler. He could go to like six teams, and I wouldn't be surprised. All right, so let me give you the up-to-date odds um, for Kawhi. Let's let's segue into that. Okay. Um, obviously, we would have led this podcast, by the way, with Kevin Durant, but he's hurt, and we really don't know. I think well, he we'll knows, talk but... about him. Just oh, of course. I have his odds right here as well. So, this is coming from sportsbettingdime.com. I'm sure they're using other people's odds. I don't know who their source is, but this is their current odds. Raptors, minus 175. Clippers, plus 290. Lakers plus three hundred. Oh, these are coming from Bavada, so that that's pretty good. That's a pretty good source. Thank God. Raptors are minus one seventy five. I think that's going to change very soon. Um, I think he's still with the Clippers, to be honest with you, and I think he'd be a great fit there. They have a good young team. They have Shea Gilgis Alexander and a couple other good players. Um, I think he goes to the Clippers, and I think they figure out a way to get another decent player there. I've said Toronto, and I'm going to stick with Toronto, but here's what we should discuss about Kawhi. If Stephen A's reporting is correct, and I believe Stephen A, he's very he's very plugged in. If this Lakers thing is real, and he's actually thinking about the Lakers, I think there's actual legs to this, more so than just we casually want to admit. Well, I hope it is because they can't sign KD and then maybe KD goes to the Knicks because there's a report that they wanted to link up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the report was that they've talked about it. So not that, you know, it still seems like if there's going to be a pairing, it's going to be KD and Kyrie, not KD and Kawhi. But who knows? Fuck that. Um, Fuck the Nets. (laughs) But here's why the Lakers make sense. Obviously, you've got LeBron and Davis. But one thing that's not being talked about, and it's lost, obviously, in the Clay injury and the KD injury, is Kawhi's injury. He played hurt the entire series, and really the entire postseason, with that mystery quad that, you know, obviously caused him to miss a lot of time in San Antonio, whether he quit or just decided, you know, it was too painful, whatever. He's shown that he can be the mercenary and he's now taken two teams and been the best player on those teams to net to uh, world championships. He could just realize and think, listen, I'm not healthy enough to do this again. And I don't want to expound the kind of effort it's going to take to do this again. My legacy is undeniably great, but I want to continue to win. I want to go back home. I want to play for the best team at home. And I also want to play with LeBron and Davis knowing that I can go do my thing 
and I don't have to be Michael Jordan 2.0 for the next five years or four years. That's why I think the Lakers make sense. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. But the only thing with Kawhi is is that he's already got two two MVPs, Finals MVPs, excuse me, and two rings. So he isn't in the Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler. I'm gonna ring chase mode. No, it's not ring chasing. I think that he wants he can to relax. I think basically. he wants to play there, and I think if this in, if his injury is legitimate or if he has questions about his health going forward for the next four years he might not want to go to a team where he's expected to do what he just did again this year and did in 2014 with the uh, Spurs he could say I'm going to still be great because that's the one thing is that's not like you cannot question his legacy now what he did for Toronto this year just on this run alone and to have already that first championship in the bag when he was the best player on that old older uh, San Antonio team and locked up LeBron as best he can mm-hmm. I, I think that it makes more sense than people I think people just want to shake their head and say no 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 it can't happen I think it can happen I'm still banking on Toronto you're still banking on the Clippers but I don't think this Lakers thing is something we should just shake our heads at. No, not at all. And it's becoming increasingly more relevant by the minute. All right, let's move on to Kevin Durant. I mean, the odds. I'm going to work backwards here. Build up, <laughs> just build up a little drama. All right, so third favorite to sign him. This is as of yesterday from Bavada, the 29th. Warriors plus 235. Nets plus 100. That's second favorite. Favorite to sign Kevin Durant as I wear my Knicks t-shirt. Knicks minus 300. I don't like these odds. I wouldn't bet on this. I don't think he's going to sign with the Knicks. It fucking sucks. And I've already said my piece. Let's just talk about Kevin Durant because I've already said my piece about the Knicks. I'm not trying to be in purgatory here. I'm not trying to win 33 games. Win 19 and get another good lottery pick if you don't get one of these big guys. Anything short of Tobias Harris, if you go any lower than that free agency-wise and you spend that money when you could smartly spread your cap out with one-year contracts and then trade all those fucking guys if one of the one of these superstars, a la a Bradley Beal or somebody else that we don't even know is unhappy come, I don't know, December, and you can flip all those guys and some assets for him or just rebuild, do not spend your money. If I see a George Hill three-year deal or if I see a, I don't know, name of, who else were they looking at? Patrick Beverly. I wouldn't mind a Patrick Beverly because he's not going to cost you that yeah, much Yeah, he's money. looking in the three-year $40 million range. Fuck that. No. That, he's probably going to get that. He's, he's a great asset on a championship team. Unless we get KD and we can put him around another player, is Patrick Beverly going to be on a championship team? No. You told me to name another player. What's, so a, I what's did. a great defensive player going to do on a team that can't fucking score? Nothing. I... I I want right, let's get I back want to either Durant. be good. No, I want to finish my my. You point said you weren't going to talk about the. Knicks. I want to either be good or suck. The worst place to be, not only in the NBA but in sports, period, is mediocre. You either got to be rebuilding or ready to go. Unless you're the Yankees. All right, let's talk about Kevin Durant. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the Knicks. I don't want to talk about the Knicks. 
We talk about talk Kevin about Durant. All right. So is he going to go for safety with the Warriors? Probably not. This one's really up in the air. The only person who probably knows where they're signing is Kevin Durant and maybe Rich Kleiman. I don't even know if he knows yet. No, because he's, he's going to take four meetings. He's taking meetings with the Nets, the Knicks. Those are the two East Coast teams, the Clippers, and the Dubs, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, who has the last meeting? I don't know who has the last meeting. I do know that all four meetings will be conducted in New York City. So, Ooh. I think just hearing as as it's not the Hamptons. Just it's don't not the Hamptons. It's don't not the Hamptons. Just hearing from literally everybody plugged in, you know, Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo, Stephen A. Smith, just everybody on down the line, Zach Lowe, everybody seems to indicate that the relationship between him and the Warriors is pretty bad. The fact that their medical staff kind of took a page out of the 2019 Yankees playbook and kind of forced him back to play when he wasn't 100% ready or mishandled the injury in the first place, whatever it might be, there's some bad blood there. There's a reason he had the doctor from the Brooklyn Nets do his Achilles surgery. I don't read too much into that. That's the same guy that's done a lot of surgeries. He did it on his foot as well. Uh, I think that was 2016. Um, And he does a lot of work for a lot of the NBA players. But I think that even though... Obviously, from a financial standpoint and a security standpoint, Golden State's the best option. I just think he's already put them in the rearview mirror. We talked about it this year, right? Watching that finals, even when he wasn't playing, it just felt like it was an end of that era, end of that chapter. Not necessarily for the Warriors, but the Kevin Durant Warriors. And I don't care if they're trying to recruit him back or if Bob Myers says we need to prioritize him too. I just think he's out. I don't think the Clippers are a realistic possibility unless it's really him and Kawhi and Kawhi's like, I'm playing in LA. And he says, okay, fine. But to be perfectly honest, the Clippers would have made sense a month ago. But now looking at what the Lakers could conceivably do, I don't think that he wants any desire to play second fiddle to LeBron and Davis and maybe a third guy in LA. Which now leads no us way. to that's what I'm saying. So that's what, what that it's leads us to the two New York teams and the Nets. So I've said all along, despite your pessimism, the Knicks make the most sense. It's been talked about the entire year. Rich Kleinman is, you know, just gushing for KD to be a Nick. The question remains: Is the RJ Barrett pick? and the rest of that supporting cast attractive enough to him to say, I'm ready to take, because now he's not taking Kyrie. And if Kawhi stays with Toronto or goes to LA, who else is he taking that he feels good about? Well, I don't even think Kawhi has a meeting with the Knicks. So no. So that's what I'm saying. So I don't, I don't know who else he's going to take with him to make him feel good about the rest of that Knicks roster. Unless there's some back-channeling tampering going on and Bradley Beal's a possibility or something like that. I don't know. And honestly, man, I think he's a Brooklyn Net. If it's a basketball standpoint... I think he's a Brooklyn Net. If it's a basketball standpoint only, the Brooklyn Nets make the most sense. But I don't know if that's all that matters. 
I think playing at Madison Square Garden, I think he has a lot of trust in his ability to come back. And if he says, fuck it, I'm going to miss this year anyway, or come back, you know, in late March and play for two weeks, he's going to say, I'm the best fucking player. He said it himself. I'm, I'm KD. You know, you all know who I am. He's going to be the best player in the league again, and he can take any group of guys. The question is now with his Achilles and his buddy Kyrie already going to Brooklyn, does he say, I just don't want that pressure. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to be a 32-year-old coming off a, a serious injury, having to be the guy. I still don't think that matters. I still think when push comes to shove, it's going to come full circle and he's going to be a Nick. All right. I think he's going to be a net. What do you want to make a bet on? 20 bucks? Yeah. Let's throw 20 bucks. 20 down. bucks. We'll shake on it. The CEO and the COO doing some doing a little All side right, bet here. So, $20 bet, I say he's going to be a net. By the way, I that'll be the happiest $20 net. I lose if he comes to the net. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I felt. Worst case scenario, I get 20 bucks. It doesn't make up for anything. Um, all right, so we're really throwing down the bag here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, we're we're still a startup shop here. Um, all right, so we got a couple more guys left. Basically, we think I want Chris, to talk. I want to talk about D'Angelo Russell. Absolutely. I, I'll just real quick. I think Chris Middleton's going back to the box. So yeah, we don't I do really too. have much to say about that. Brogdon, I don't know. I think. Well, it's not Boston now. I think Brogdon honestly depends on where your guy, who we're going to talk about, D'Lo decides to go, because. I think if this Lakers thing is real, or maybe the Knicks become a player, um, I think that Brogdon goes to the T Wolves. If not, I don't. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not ashamed to say it. I don't know where the hell Brogdon goes. You know who makes a lot of sense for him is Dallas. That would be struck out be on Kemba. Go put him with Doncic. You've got KP, presumably. That's a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And those next picks look shittier. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll move on to D'Lo. So basically, it is the Lakers or the T-Wolves right now. I, the- I would like to see him just stay and keep living in Brooklyn. Um, I know they're shutting down the L train, but there is other ways to get into the city to become a neck. I I'll per, I'll become his driver. I don't care. No, he would he would be great for your Knicks. I think he's a guy that you would feel good about giving four years max to. Um, the Minnesota thing makes a lot of sense, but there's going to have to be some maneuvering on their part. They've talked about a sign a sign and trade, and why but, would the Nets do that? It's going to tie up their cap space for a couple of days. Well, that's what. The Nets believe that the Nets did not open up the second max cap space to do a sign and trade with the T Wolves for you know Rocco or Wiggins. So the Nets are not going to do that unless they really strike out and Durant's gone and Harris is gone and Butler. Butler's gone. But I don't see. I think they know they're getting one of those guys. Um. Or and Julius Randle, you can throw in that mix too. Minnesota obviously makes a lot of sense. Him and Cat are are boys, and they would work really well together. The Wolves are getting a meeting with D'Angelo Russell um, once free agency starts, and then you introduce the Los Angeles Lakers. And this, to me, 
is a really fascinating position to be in because they've obviously tried to rid themselves. The Magic Johnson's gone, the guy who traded him. No, Magic Johnson is not gone. I read a report that Magic Johnson was going no. to be in on a Kawhi meeting, but the NBA wouldn't let him. The NBA Could you wouldn't believe let him. that? I mean, the guy quits, and you want to have him in on a fucking meeting. Like, I get it. He was a great Laker 25 years ago, but that's not how the Lakers are currently. Try like 35 Oh, come on over, ago, yeah. Kawhi. Like, I'm a Laker for life. I, if I'm Kawhi, I'm like, fuck you. You didn't want to be a Laker in 2019. You were a Laker in 1987. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's weird. The whole thing is, it's... It's uncomfortable. Even though there, it it's is... It's uncomfortable. A, it is, but that's a perfect word for it. It's very uncomfortable. It's kind of cringeworthy. But if you have LeBron recruiting you, and you have Anthony Davis up there, the whole cloud around the Lakers is so much brighter than it was when he was there and getting dumped because they chose Nick Young over him. They should re-sign Nick Young. They should re-sign Nick Young in a second. Um, There's legs to this, and I think it could get done. If they don't get Kawhi, I think this is the person they pivot to because he gives them that point guard, the real point guard. So you take the ball out of LeBron's hands, but even if LeBron still wants to be the point forward, D'Angelo's fine off the ball. He's He does not have to have the ball in his hands to be a dynamic scorer. We saw it last year when he would share the floor with Dinwiddie and sometimes even Levert. He would roll off screens. He would come catch and shoot. He would be in the position to make the extra pass. I think he would fit incredibly well. I want to say this about D'Lo, watching him every game this year. I didn't really know what to expect when the Nets got him. There were a lot of character questions. Obviously, when you're a young guy on a horrible team, that's going to happen, and you don't really know. Point guards, you know this, man. It takes a while for them to develop. He came out when he was 18. This was his fourth year in the league. His second year in Brooklyn after an injury-riddled first year. He so far surpassed my expectations of him. Not just on the court with what he can do. I love his floater. I love his three-point shot. When he heat checks, man, he is fun to watch because he can just bomb them from anywhere. And he's so gifted getting to the rim. But I was impressed, and I think everyone across the league was, at to how he how unselfish he was and how team first he was. You know, I can remember that game when he was really starting to come about and they're playing down in Houston and he's not having the best game and Dinwiddie can't miss and it's clearly Dinwiddie's night and Atkinson pulls Russell and that would be a moment where a young immature player is all pissed off and not given the opportunity, but he was the first guy on the bench standing up and going nuts for Dinwiddie, and the Nets ended up winning that game in in two overtimes in Houston. And to me, that was when the whole season I was like, yep, this is the guy. Because I thought Kyrie was a sure thing with the Knicks. And I was like, wow, the Nets found their franchise point guard. If it was anybody other than Kyrie... I don't think the Nets would even entertain the thought of letting him go. Where do you see Russell as a player going forward in the next couple of years? 
I think he's going to increase. He was a very efficient player, but I think he's going to increase his efficiency rates. I think his field goal percentage is going to go up. I think that his assist rates are going to go up as well, depending on what team he goes to, because he'll have the ball in his hand even more, being the all-star that he is. And I think he's going to work this year on really getting to the basket even more and drawing contact and, and increasing that free throw rate because that was kind of the only flaw in his game was that he wasn't getting to the line and getting those free points. Um, I think he'll be a great player wherever he goes. I love his game. Um, defensively, he's kind of a turnstile, but... So is Kyrie. So, so is a lot of point guards. So is half three-quarters of the league. Yeah. Um, I don't know where he goes, honestly. I'd really, really gun to like your head, to see him. I, gun to my head, Timberwolves. I'll say Lakers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not making a bet on that one because I have no, no fucking clue. No. Um, gun in my mouth because I'm about to pull the <laughs> fucking trigger because the Knicks haven't signed anyone. I hope he goes to the Knicks. That would be the one situation where it's like, I shouldn't have the right to feel this way because just got Kyrie. But... Just knowing what he did for the Nets and how great he was, to, how fun it was to root for, I'd hate to see him help you guys at all. But Shut up, dude. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. All right, let's talk about our last guy on this list, and that is Tobias Harris. This is another guy that I really have no idea. He could go back to the Clippers. There's like eight teams he could go yeah, to. Um, again, gun to my head, not in my mouth. I think he... I think Butler leaves... And I still think Butler to the Lakers is a big thing. That's just me. And I think he re-ups with the Clippers. Uh, excuse me, with the Sixers. And I, I really like that team. I think him and Butler kind of negated each other. And I think with Butler not being there, I think he becomes a much better player. If you're Philly, who are you prioritizing? Oh, Butler. Yeah. But if he's gone, I turn around and at least make it look like I'm prioritizing Toby. Because you already have Boban. You can't separate the two. Boban's Toby a free and, agent. They're going to re-sign him. They have to. Toby and Boby. Jesus. That's the way it is, man. They got to keep you're that do, You were just waiting all podcasts to say that, weren't you? I thought about it earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well done. Um, what do you think before we before we head out? I predicted this on our, on our free agency landing spots last week. I think he's going to go to the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. Because I don't think Durant's a net. Now, if he... Now, I if, like that if, team. If Durant's a net... Then Tobias Harris can go literally anywhere, and he's going to make anybody better. I just think his fit with the Nets is so perfect because he gives them something that they don't have, which is that stretch four that can shoot, that can cover a couple different positions. I know he's not great defensively, but I think he's a little bit better than we give him credit for. I think he was just in a weird spot with Philly where he didn't really have a position to guard and he didn't have a space on the floor where he could be at his best. Yep. I think he was much better defensively. I remember him uh, when he was a member of the Pistons and definitely with the uh, Clippers. So I think the Nets make a lot of sense for him. He was D- he was he was a good 3 and D player on the Magic when his You know where's too. a spot that I look at and say if certain dominoes fall what about him going to the Boston Celtics I don't if think, they traded Jalen Brown if they traded Brown and tried to recuperate some picks or whatever I think he'd be really interesting but I just think for the Celtics you're getting 
you're getting a, a cheaper version of Tobias Harris that is much better defensively than Jalen Brown. Yeah. I don't it, know. I feel like I feel like he's a boss. And Jalen Brown's ceiling is much higher. Um, you know, to be honest, the only I will leave this is the least amount as the Knicks that I will leave happy with. And if they, I like I said, if they, I don't want to talk about the Knicks too much. If they can get a, you D-Lo, can talk about the Knicks, dude. This is fine. This is your last time before free agency officially starts. If if they strike out on KD and they swing and miss on Jimmy Butler and Kawhi. If they can get a D'Lo and they can get a Tobias Harris, I'll still be a happy man. If they get anything less than that, I want them to re-up what they're doing and try for next year for free agents and try, try again. Because you know what? I think it sets off a lot of a domino effect. James Dole is, I don't know if the lawsuit's still going on, but it was a dereliction of duty lawsuit, mm-hmm. which you'd love to say. That's like your second favorite term behind um, battle tested. It's a great term. Um, and, and you know what? If they don't get a free agent when they clear cap space to get a second max guy and they don't even get one and all this other shit going on, I mean, it's the end of the era. He's going to have to sell the team. I mean, it's at the point where I'm going to go and I'm going to I'm gonna have to record him 24-7, hope that he says something bad, and then maybe we'll have a Donald Sterling situation. That's how bad. I'm going to quit my job and go after him. That's wow, how bad strong. it is. Yes, I'm going to do some real reporting. I love it. Um, I want to say this about your Knicks. That's the, by the way, before before you go ahead, that's the worst I want is D'Lo, Toby. I'm cool with that. I'd be happy with that team. I will come on here and say... I'm happy. The position the Knicks are in is very... It's a situation that it could go a lot of different ways, obviously. If Durant goes, the entire attitude of what that team means changes. I think they're going in the right direction with R.J. Barrett. They're in a much more dramatic Celtics situation right now. Yeah, I listen... You don't clear two max cap spaces and tell your fan base that you're going to go out and fill out the roster with a bunch of random players. This free agent class is too deep and too good to just be settled with a George Hill. I don't think, you know, those are all names that are going to be floated out there and we see them and we overreact to them because I think it's just like, well, listen, if plan A through you know, C fail, you got to have a plan D. That's what good franchises do. But I think the Knicks, they have to look across the bridge and see what the Nets did. And what they did was they instituted a culture that became very attractive in a very short amount of time by bringing in veterans with really good characters, really good, you know, teammate feels who were still productive enough to play well on, on a rebuilding team, take chances on younger players and then fill out the roster with guys who have been there and done that and are just a good influence on the young developing talent. I don't look at, I look at RJ Barrett as a better Karis LeVert. You know, I love Levert's game, but Levert was drafted 20-something and was coming off a foot injury. R.J. Barrett's the third pick in the draft, and before the season started, he was considered the best prospect. You have a Kevin Knox. You have a Nidalkina, who 
I don't like him. I think he's trash. But listen, he's already the best perimeter defensive point guard in the league. And it's going to – we knew when they drafted him. That's a project. You're going to have to see it through. You have a pretty attractive Dennis Smith Jr. Obviously, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin or uh, Alonzo Trier. There are some players on this team – that if you solidify your roster with guys like a Tobias Harris, with guys like a Julius Randle, even if it's a George Hill, I think you're going to do better than that. But just guys that make the team feel good. Like when you don't, you're not trying to win it all. You're not going to win it all. But what you're doing is you're changing the culture. The reason why this whole weird thing with the Nets and Knicks is happening it has nothing to do with Madison Square Garden and Barclays Center or Manhattan and Brooklyn. These players want to go somewhere where they know they're going to be stable. The Knicks haven't been that in a really long time, which to this generation of players is very important. <laughs> so if they can sign good free agents with excellent track records who are going to put up good numbers, help the young guys mold. Like I think a Tobias Harris working with a Kevin Knox and an RJ Barrett would just be fantastic. Julius Randle, give him a really good low post guy to add to Mitchell Robinson, you know, go out and get, if you got a D'Angelo Russell, wow. Now you get an all-star point guard, but just guys like that fill out the roster with good veterans you're going to have to spend that money somewhere. There's enough good free agents in this in this, you know, entire class that you're not going to be disappointed with. Is it what you expected? No. But the entire attitude around that team can change and the next time a big free agent class rolls around and the Knicks have been good and building and relevant again for the first time in a while, now for a few years, okay, now MSG starts to sound better. Okay, now you know, all of that starts to sound better. I, am I talking out of my ass? I, f- I feel like you no, echo no, the sentiments, right? I agree with you, but you know how I feel about this, and you know my stance when it goes to the, the Mets, when it goes to the Jets, when it goes to the, the Phoenix Suns. The Knicks are no exception. The culture starts from the top down, man. That's just the way it is. And that's what I'm saying. Is and, and you're not going to be able to rebuild good culture until the team gets old or you get you somehow get lucky and some superstar is crazy enough like KD to go there. That's the way it is, man. You're either going to have to force the culture on it by getting a KD or you're going to have to sell the team because young guys aren't going to build up culture with a bad ownership and a bad – it's top down. Nope, but what they can do is they can make people around them excited. Because the Nets were a fucking laughing stock when they had a bad owner in Prokhorov. If we – and he's still – is involved. I mean, if you if you just wind well, he the clocks, went back to Russia, so what the hell? Is if he you wind do? the clocks back a year, the Nets were just a team that had a couple of pieces and not really anything else. Things can change very quickly in a year, so it seems like Mills and Perry are good basketball guys, good for the job. Fisdale is universally loved around the league. Strong endorsements from LeBron and D. Wade. Mike Miller now is joining that co- uh, the, as an assistant coach. I think that, again, you're going to have to spend this money some way. 
you don't have to go crazy and do like an Amari Stoudemire deal with, you know, the next best player. But fill out the roster intelligently. Focus on bringing in good veterans who are still productive. Take chances on guys like fucking Damari Carroll if he'd want to stay in New York and Brooklyn doesn't have room for him. Guys, a, a, a team first guy who's going to help the young players develop. Right now, R.J. Barrett, I think he walks in and I think he's going to be in heavily contention for Rookie of the Year award. He's that good. Well, I hope not because I hope there's better players on the team that take up some minutes and some possessions. But again, it's a wait and see. And if all of this changes, I mean, Durant could just be there. Durant could sign there in a, in a day or two. And Well, they all reports are that he's going to stretch it out till the end of the week. So that kind of sucks. KD, I want you to come to the Knicks. Please make your decision earlier so Sean and I can you know, put together a pod within the next couple of days when everybody else signs. That being said, we will be back with uh, – it's not really going to be an emergency pod because we know it's coming – Uh, We will be back later in the week recapping NBA free agency. It's basically contingent on when these guys decide to sign on the dotted line. Um, 2 a.m., wake up, KD signs with the Knicks. Sean, get on the horn. Oh, I'll be at your door. I'll (laughs) be down your fucking door. But I'm keeping the Knicks t-shirt on for the rest of the day. I may burn it or I may be buried in it. All right. Well, you're going to have to stay tuned. We will be back later in the week, guys.